0: You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Welcome back to the Way Home Podcast. It's so good to be with you again, my friends. We are doing a special series of podcasts here on The Way Home that coincide with the release of my new book called. A Way With Words, using our online conversations for good. And I am excited to welcome back Max Lakato. Uh, Max doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, chances are, if you're listening here, you have read a Max Lacato book or gotten a wall calendar with uh, Max Lakato quotes on it, or your kids have done the Hermes series of books and cartoons. Max sometimes is called America's pastor. I think I saw a survey one time that said one out of every six Americans has read a Max Lacato book. That might be wrong. I don't know, but it's a lot. Max is such a gracious pastor. He is really someone who is always kind of there to reassure us that God is going to be with us, even in the midst of our storms. And that's what I invited him on to do today. We have been through perhaps one of the most tumultuous years in American history here in 2020 a pandemic, racial unrest. And a lot of people are scared. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are suffering through tragedy. Max has been a voice. Of reason, a voice of compassion, really pressing us to look to Jesus for hope and for help. Uh, he has done a series of Facebook videos, I think, every day since the pandemic started. He's also got a new book out that he wants to talk to us about. I asked him what it's like to pastor in this season, and he gave some really important answers. I talked to him about how we should think about things like pandemics, and then Really, about his writing process. You know, what motivates him to continue to write even after having all these best selling books and having gotten to to this level? Why does he still churn out ideas and and still love to produce inspiring content? I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Max Locator. I'm glad to have uh, back on the podcast, uh, Max Licato. Max, thanks for being back on the, on well,
1: the podcast. Well, thank you. It really is a treat to to talk to you again. I hope I hope that you're holding up and hanging in there.
0: Yeah, we are. You know, it's been uh, interesting times this year. 2020 will likely be a year that we'll remember, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those that's pondered and revisited by historians. Um, and then all of us, every single one of us, will look back on this you know, as we do 9-11 or 2008, uh, we'll, this is one of those mile marker years.
0: Yeah. When you think about, uh, you've been in the ministry for a while, and you think back on the different periods of times that you've had to pastor and do ministry, this year is obviously one of the more difficult and unusual ones, in, in, if you think through all the tumultuous times in our history.
1: There's no comparison. Uh, we've, we've faced crises before but they were either a regional uh, crisis, not necessarily a global, not always uh, financial plus physical plus relational. I don't don't know if, I I did read a historian, I'm, I'm sorry, a futurist state that this will be in history, the most profound event in history. And mm-hmm. I thought that was an overstatement, but then I thought, well, it's hard to find anything that compares with
0: it. Yeah, it really is. And one of the things that's been encouraging through throughout this year is you have put up periodic, um, I think, daily encouragements on Facebook and uh, different platforms. Just yeah. you know, there's a lot of opinions swirling around about should we do this, should we do not do that, and who's to blame for this or that. One of the things I've really liked what you've you've done is just say, okay. How, what is the Lord saying to us in this moment? Those, it seems like, have been well-received. As you're thinking about, what are you thinking when you're trying to do ministry to people in this time?
1: That's, that's really a great question. Because uh, I've, I see that when we minister to people, we're trying to plant truth in their thought process. Especially in a time in which there's so much anxiety and fear. If we can just counterbalance that or offset that with a with a a teaching of encouragement, uh, because fearful people make bad decisions and fearful people uh, have difficult relationships, anxious people have unhealthy bodies, and so everything we can do to get upriver of anxiety, you know, to get ahead of it, I, I I think that's ministry. Now, some people's ministry is is more in the area of uh, treating the sick or, 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 or reaching out and building homes for, the, for those who had no place to live. In, in my case, I think my ministry is, is encouraging ideas, depositing encouraging seeds of hope in, in people's thought process, hoping that they will bear fruit and keep them from going down one of these dangerous, dangerous paths. Mm. The title of your book is You Are Not
0: Alone, which I think is you probably didn't plan that this year. I'm guessing you were planning that years before this. But I can't think of a more apropos message for this year. And I, it does sense that a lot of people feel alone. And you know, before the pandemic, where people were uh, shuttered up by themselves, there was a loneliness epidemic before this. Is that kind of what motivated you to do this?
1: Yeah, you, both of your observations there are really spot on. Uh, I, we had no clue, of course. This book was written and went to to press long before the pandemic. And the title was selected long before we uh, considered quarantine and isolation. I did go back in the final draft. You know, you get one more shot at the book before it goes to press. And by then, uh, all this was beginning to happen. And so I did enter uh, a paragraph in the first chapter talking about the significance of living in a day in which we're actually urged not to make contact with one another. Uh, just, just today, I went to a bike shop of, and, and I, I walked up with my bike, I, I had something broken in my bike and there's the sign, do not enter if you're not wearing a mask. And you know, it's a, I get it and I put a mask on and I still took my bike in, I understand the situation, but it's off-putting. You know, it's, it's saying, let's keep our distance from one another. Even if you're back in circulation somewhat, we don't want to get too close. And so those messages are just everywhere. You layer that onto a situation in which person, people already felt alone or they felt isolated. Then you've got some serious issues. And and many, many people are dealing with anxiety as a result. In the book, I, I, it's not so much a therapy for getting in harmony with people. It is more a call to a a relationship with your heavenly Father, to to be the presence, learning to sense the presence of God. When people can't be around and people are not around or people cannot help you, that feeling of I'm all alone and it's all up to me, you don't have to live with that. And, And that's the purpose of this book is to address that sense of isolation.
0: You know, there's a sense, too, in which the gospel message says you're not alone, right? That that Jesus on the cross was truly alone, uh, you know, abandoned by the Father in that moment, Yeah. you know, so that we wouldn't ever have to be alone. It yeah. does seem like that. that is really at the core of what you're trying to say. It really is. And boy,
1: you said it well. You did. What I did in this book is I looked at the miracles in the gospel of John. And John, at the end of his gospel, tells us that that if he had written everything down, that there's no library big enough. Libraries aren't big enough to contain all the stories. And that may be hyperbole, but then again, maybe not. You know, if you would really tried to describe everything that John had seen, who knows how big of a book that would have required. So he had to self-edit. He had to select miracles. And he said, I've selected those that will help you have life and have it to the full. And so I thought, wow, what a great uh, goal of the Apostle John. He wants to help us have life, abundant, joy-giving, overflowing life. And so each of these miracles is intended to accomplish that. And so in the book, I I just looked at each miracle through the lens of how is it that understanding this miracle would give me life? What is it about this miracle that, that calls people to believe they are not alone? It was a great experience for me. I hope it will be for the reader to read it.
0: Is there a sense too, Max, uh, I, I want to go in a couple directions with this. Is there a sense too that, you know, people could, could be surrounded by other people in family, in church, at work, and yet still feel alone? Like, yeah. you know, maybe people don't understand my situation. Maybe people don't speak up for me when I need them to, or uh,
1: maybe speak to that dynamic too. I believe that's a great point because you can be, you know, even... If we're ever able to be in a crowded room again or, or stadium, you know, you, you, you've, you can feel lonely in such a situation because you feel overwhelmed, just simply overwhelmed by all of the challenges that life brings. And when you feel that, when you have that deer in the headlights look on your face, but when you, when you think there's information is too much to process or the grief is too deep to bear or the problems are too many to solve. The result is a sense of isolation. It's all up to me and I ain't much. I begin, I begin the, the, the book telling a story about a lady who said those words to me in a hospital. Uh, her son was uh, recovering from a terrible car accident. Uh, he was trying to also to, to re- recover from an op- opioid addiction. His dad was AWOL, her husband hadn't been seen. And there in the waiting room, she said, You know, it's really, it's all up to me, and I ain't much. And that phrase stuck with me. And I believe that describes many people. They feel like it's all up to them to solve their problems. And they look at their resources and they say, And I just ain't much.
0: Mm-hmm. I think about leaders too today. Uh, there's something about leadership that can make people feel isolated and alone. I mean, we've seen, even the last couple of years, pastors even, you know, take their own lives and in a tragic way, people we've known and loved. What is it about leadership that sometimes feels isolating?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I've been senior pastor. I'm semi-retired right now. And so I'm no longer senior pastor of the church. But for decades, I was. And I understand uh, that uh, buck stops here mentality often comes with, with leadership. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Uh, there, there is a misconception that many, many of us carry into leadership that we have to fix every problem and have to come up with every solution. And when we carry that misconception, it it creates a weight and an expectation that's too too big to carry. And I think that's why leadership can feel so lonely. I really mm. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe the better path is to recognize you're a leader, but you're also a a person completely dependent upon God. And His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will fill us. He will give us what we need. And sometimes He doesn't give us what we need until we actually need it in that moment. But that's okay. And so leadership is better better lived out in this dependence upon God. But uh, if we ever think that it's up to us to lead an organization or lead a family or lead a tribe or a troop, uh, then that's, that's going to lead to anxiety and stress. Mm. Do you think too, that one of the things
0: I've, I've observed, but I'm curious your experience with being around leaders and being a leader yourself, that his leadership or her leadership really kind of rises and falls on their, you know, their feelings of security or insecurity. So for instance, you know, you, it seems like, most leadership issues stem from someone who's just not very secure in who they are before God, you know, confident in, what, in who God has made them to be. Have you seen that in your experience?
1: I, 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 think, I think the best philosophy in leadership, yes, I have seen that. And I think that can be dealt with by tweaking the definition of leadership. If leadership is to succeed in leading people, that's a vague and a difficult mm. mountain to climb. If leadership, however, is to help your team succeed, Mm -hmm. then that gives you a clearer task. Uh, The the, the seasons that I did poorly as a leader are the seasons that I felt like I needed to really be that gung-ho, out front, rallying, cheerleading, look at me, flex my muscles, go where I'm going type of leader. Uh, the seasons that I did better were those days that I woke up and said, now, how can I help so-and-so succeed today? Or I'm going to contact so-and-so and see what she needs. Or I'm going to do my best to bring the best out of that team and take for the posture of serving those people. And I believe that activates then a, a, a success where you're, where you're seeing the other team, your team members grow. And I, I believe that's a much healthier
0: posture. Yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, you're talking about not being alone. I, I'd love for you just to speak a little bit about how it seems like God, when you read scripture, God has wired human beings that we're relational beings, that we don't do well alone. You know, like people who study the brain so that our brain doesn't operate well in isolation. We need other people to help be formed and all that. So maybe speak to to that dynamic and, and, and what you're talking about about loneliness.
1: Whenever we feel like it's all up to us and we ain't much, the result of that is going to be, uh, it's going to have an impact upon our physical health, our emotional health, and our relational health. There's an interesting uh, study, uh, especially in the days of quarantine and isolation, that that suggested that uh, living alone is uh, physically like smoking 15 cigarettes a day it has that negative, that, that, that stressful, mm. uh, reaction in our bodies. I do believe that we were made to have certain levels of interaction with other people. Of course, many people want more. My wife wants it all the time. I wanted a little bit less, but all of us were made to have that interaction because, uh, through interaction with others, we feel affirmed, we feel validated, and we recognize that we're a part of a community. Now, Ideally, we were made to to have all of that met through a relationship with God. And so that's why I think these miracles in the Bible are so helpful, because they tell us that God is for us and that God is with us. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what was that message? When Jesus fed the 5,000, what was the message? Each one of these miracles has a message to people who feel all alone, and quarrying those messages is really a wonderful experience and a wonderful exercise in helping us allow allow God to fill that emptiness that we feel when we're all by ourselves.
0: What are some practices that you'd recommend for people to draw close and and, and sense and
1: feel the presence of God? Oh, boy, that's such a great question. Uh, Think about what you do when you want to draw close and feel the presence of another human being. What do you do? Well, you communicate. You talk you share your deepest feelings, you listen, you confess, you admit, you celebrate, you laugh. Well, these are all elements of a healthy relationship with your heavenly father. What you would do to build a friendship with somebody else is exactly what you do to build a friendship with your heavenly father. You talk, you listen, you celebrate, you confess, you ask for help, you interact. You, you you wouldn't build a friendship with somebody based on a one-hour conversation in a very stilted environment once a week. Uh, and, and, and many people, that's their understanding of God. You go to a church or you go to a religious gathering, and there you, 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 you go through some unusual uh, practices that you don't do the rest of the week. Well, that's not going to work. The relationship with your Heavenly Father is a friendship. It really is. And so we talk to Him all the time but also we listen we listen through reading scripture but we listen through the impressions of the holy spirit that that uh, who lives within us and so i think the simplest thing is try to think okay if i want to build a friendship with somebody what would i do and uh, and do that with god because he certainly wants to build a friendship with
0: you mm. A couple more questions. Thanks for your time, Max. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy, busy guy. I want to talk just about writing. For those that listen to my podcast, a lot of writers listen. I'm curious two things. One, after writing all of, all these books, you still want to write more books. Do Do you ever like you still love writing? You've never you've not tired of of writing book. What What fuels you to to think about the next project or the next book or the next idea?
1: Yeah, you'd th- you'd think I would have. Found- Hung up the pen, so to speak, right after after all these years. But I I, I still get excited about taking a uh, an idea and uh, discovering the going deep with it, living with it, uh, organizing the thoughts, and then presenting it. I, I, it that's just a fun process mm-hmm. for me. Uh, this this fall, I'm going to teach the church the Book of Esther. The mm-hmm. Book of Esther. And so I'm um, in the early stages of reading and rereading Esther, reading what other people have said about the book of Esther, wondering what uh, this message about this, this collective calamity uh, in the ancient Persia, what, what does it have to say to us about our lives today? I think that's really fun. I'll, that's my favorite part of, of, of ministry. And, and so I guess as long as it's, uh, I'm feeling that enthusiasm, that adventure, I guess I'll just keep doing it uh, because I think that's that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, the Lord has it's been so good to me to let me do that, and uh, so I think I think I'm supposed to keep doing
0: it. Uh, are you your 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 writing habit? I'm sh- curious about a Max Licato. Do you have a quota every day? I'm going to get up and, and crank out five thousand words, or are you more of a deadline guy? Where I have the deadline now, I'm just going to uh, yeah. put plot away at it. Do you set aside certain days every week? What does that look like for you?
1: In my case, all of my books begin as a sermon series at the church. So basically, when I'm writing a sermon, I'm possibly writing a chapter. And, and so every sermon series is, you know, 12 to 15 weeks long. And so by the time I've finished the sermon series, I have 12 to 15 chapters, I usually have a pretty good sense midway through the sermon series if that's going to be a book or not. Uh, Most of the time it is. Uh, And so after I finish the sermon series, I take those sermons and boy, do I I massage them, I change them. I I don't think the ear and the eye are two different or or identical receptacles. So the last thing I want you to think is that somebody transcribed my sermons and put them in the book. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, I, I don't want you to think that but I love preaching at first because that allows me to test the material and see what really resonates with people. And so then I, after, after two or three months of preaching a sermon series, I'll spend six months taking that material and, and turning it into a book. Uh, I give myself a deadline in the sense that I'll, I'll try to do at least a chapter a week and I spend at least two and a half to three days a week on, on that chapter. And then once I've gone through the whole book, then I'll set apart a month, maybe six weeks for rewrites and rewrites and rewrites. And then I finally, on the the big day, I send it to my editors. I have two of them. And uh, then I wince and I groan and I (laughs) dread and I'm anxious because I know they're going to chew it all up and spit it back at me and tell me to do it all again. And so uh, we're back and forth then for about six weeks until we finally have the finished product. And so it usually takes me about a year, you know, I've, I've started the study of Esther now. And I feel like by a year from now, if, if it's supposed to be a book, it'll be finished.
0: Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for young writers? Uh, I'm sure you, yeah, uh, we all get people saying, I want to get started in, in, yeah. in writing. How do I do this? I have a book in my head, or I don't even yeah. know if I have a book, but I want to, I want to do this. What, what, yeah. are, what
1: are one or two pieces of advice you give yeah, young, young writers? That's good. And I've, I've talked to people a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who want to have written more than mm-hmm. there are people who want to write. <laughs> yes. Because what happens is we get into this process and it's so tedious, you know, wrestling for the right word or getting thoughts on paper. It's, it, it, it can be so stubborn. And, uh, and, and for that reason, many people just abandon ship, and I don't blame them. Not everybody is called to write a book, but it is hard work, it is hard work. And so my, my message to you would be to go into it with your eyes wide open. Uh, it's a tough challenge, and, and uh, yet I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it, uh, because you have something that I need to know. <laughs> when you put it in written form, you allow me the privilege of reading it at my leisure, and listening to it at a comfortable pace in pausing and processing conversations, you know, are back and forth. Even listening to a speaker is, is at his pace. But when you write something, you give me the privilege of, of controlling the speed at which I process that. So I want to say, thank you. Thank you for going to the hard work of writing it because that allows me to receive it at a pace that's appropriate to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than force feeding me, you know, I right. can just eat and I can swallow and I can think, and then I can eat some more and swallow and think. So it's worth it. It's hard work. Don't give up, but it's worth. it. Last question. That, that was great advice, by the way. And great.
0: I, I know a lot of people will, that'll really encourage folks that are in, on this process. Is there a book or books that you are reading right now that others have written that are like, man, I'm reading this or I just read this and it was really interesting. Just curious about that.
1: Well, I, I hate to keep talking about Esther, but that's where I am. See, when I'm writing, when I'm creating a sermon series, I read everything I can find on that particular topic. Mm-hmm. When, I was, when I was writing the book that we're talking about, You Are Never Alone, I read everything I could on the Gospel of John. I'm not a real scholar. I'm really not. I'm not, gonna act, not an academician. So I have to really lean into those who are to make sure the book is accurate and to also spur thoughts on my own. And, and so uh, I'm finding some good books on, on the life of Esther. And it's really a delightful, delightful discovery. I've got a stack of about six of them, and I'm plowing through them a little bit at a time. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's my process is, is reading what others have done. And that helps me come up with a good process.
0: Well, thank you so much uh, for that. It's cool to see your process and how you write. And we're excited about this book, You're Never Alone, uh, that is releasing in September. And so we want to encourage folks to get it at your favorite retailer. Max Licato, thank you so much for your time and for your ministry, really. I know there's a lot of folks like myself who have been uh, inspired to follow Christ because of
1: your work. So we appreciate well, you're it. You're very kind.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words. And you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com and find out special pre-order bonuses if you order by August 18th. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters.